are super excited today to have Steve and Celesta with us on Enjoying the Journey. They have an organization called Mending the Soul, and I cannot wait to chat with both of you about that. For those that maybe have never heard of Mending the Soul, can you give us a little bit of background on the ministry, who you guys are, how this all started? Yes, we would love to. Steve is a professor. We started out, we've been in full-time ministry our whole married life, 42 years, and he is a professor now. We began by pastoring, and um, then in 2003, God led us to found Mending the Soul Ministries. Mm. My background is clinical, so I had a clinic in Phoenix. I had several psychologists and therapists uh, working with me, and it was through that clinical lens, we were mostly working with faith leaders in the, a pretty affluent city of Phoenix. And mm-hmm. I was blown away at the prevalence of abuse in religious systems, Christian families, Christian homes, churches. And I was increasingly uh, somewhat overwhelmed at the prevalence, but concerned that we didn't have enough help in communities uh, where survivors already are in places where they can trust, that there's trauma-informed help in churches, trauma-informed help in schools and in families. And that was really the impetus for us to begin. And I asked Steve if he would, with his background, help me create curriculum that integrated social science and theology, biblical data, and real stories into one model that we could train faith leaders in. Uh, We started Mending This Hole for Phoenix because we loved our city and we served there and these were our friends that we were caring for. And God, within three years, invited us to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Wow. Uh, right in the middle of Africa. And that yeah. was in 2006. And that we knew that invitation was from God. Dr. David Casali of Congo Initiative was the one to give it. And um, so the rest is history. We're yeah. now in five countries of East Africa and Latin America, Mexico, Europe. So it's been quite an adventure. That is unbelievable. And is there a a similar story with abuse or is it all over the map, physical, mental, emotional? Hmm. Does there seem to be a common thread or or is it pretty wide? Yeah, Um, all abuse is about the misuse of power. When we miss and and our being made in God's image gives us potency. Mm -hmm. God created Adam and Eve in his image. And one of the first statements or privileges is to rule over the earth, you know, to have dominion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have potency by virtue of being an image bearer. We can use that potency to build up and, and for life giving, or we can use it to tear down. And abuse at its core is always about a misuse of power, physical, economic, social, verbal, et cetera, um, to 
hurt another person. So that's the, the commonality of any kind of abuse. Abuse is also very uh, homogeneous in that abuse affects our brain. And mm -hmm. God's made us, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. And because of the way God's made our brains, any kind of uh, abuse that causes uh, a sense of being overwhelmed in fear produces virtually identical uh, effects on the brain, chemicals that are released, uh, etc. So th that's the commonality. Of course, with each kind of abuse, there's some specific differences. Um, sexual abuse does some things to us that say verbal abuse doesn't, but it's mm. all harmful and it's all a misuse of our God-given power and it all can be healed. Wow, that's, that's the wonderful part. With that being said, trauma, abuse, those, those are words that you don't like to throw around in churches or, or Christian leaders you know, don't want to throw. Are, are you starting to see at a more openness to talking about abuse and, and how to deal with it, especially in Christian circles? We, we really are. Um, my first book, was Mending the Soul, Understanding and Healing Abuse. Zondervan released it in 05. At the time, this is still hard for me to believe, uh, I was the first PhD level evangelical theologian to write a systematic treatment of abuse. Mm. There was nothing else in print quite like that. So there was a huge need. Since then, there's been quite a bit published. There's, there's a growing number of books and ministries um, so there's absolutely more awareness. Uh, and some of it has, you know, we see it in the media. The, the Me Too movement has turbocharged society and church. Mm -hmm. uh, because the church has had its own Me Too reckoning. Right. Some really high profile investigative journalism reports, Southern Baptist and others. Um, and I, that's, you know, I mean, it's sad it came to that, but I think God's used that to shine a light on things that the church needed to address. So yes, there's definitely more discussion, more willingness to, to look at these hard realities. Oh, go ahead. Well, just on a practical side, there's also more churches that are stepping up and pastors that maybe someone in their community experienced abuse that that story became a story of the church just like your daughter's story of the school mm -hmm. and these pastors then embrace ministries like mending the soul or celebrate recovery mm -hmm. that support survivors in doing their own work and then those survivors are supported in facilitating the healing of others and so there's growing awareness and growing support, which is so beautiful. And that's why within many of the soul ministries, we sell our resources domestically so that we can give our resources and training globally. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because there's so little help in, in many of the regions of the world that need the most help. So we're really thankful for yeah. the movement in the last 15 years here in the United States. Absolutely, absolutely. I. It seems, you know, if it's abuse or integrating disabilities into the church or into the community, I, I was around 
the baby boomer uh, philosophy, or at least this is what was told to me anyway, that, you know, as I grew up, I grew up with muscular dystrophy and it was kind of explained to me, you know, if we didn't talk about it, it didn't exist. And I'm like, uh, nope, that's not <laughs> quite how that worked. Uh, I still had to wake up to it every day. I right. still had to deal with it. And whether that be abuse or that be the, the disability movement of integrating more individuals into society, whether that's air travel, it's uh, having accessible walk-in areas, you know, that it's not just steps to get into. And now this whole new new idea in the world where if my wife and I travel, just say my wife and I, uh, because I'm in a chair, I still require or I prefer to stand and go to the bathroom. Well, if, if we don't have conversations about bathrooms being available to families, it's a little interesting out there in the real world when you got to go to the bathroom. And it, I mean, my wife and I have shut down men's bathrooms. We've shut down hallways because you, you got to figure out how to do this. And so to hear that the conversation going back to abuse is being open so that people can talk about it so that the light can shine on a horrible, horrible situation that that many have walked through. And, and you mentioned a minute ago that that our family personally walked through uh, in the last year, something I never, ever thought would happen. I, I thought it was only in videos or movies or whatever else. But yeah, my daughter um, went through trauma. We use the word trauma uh, when we weren't recording earlier. And to be a family that that walks through trauma, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I really don't know how to describe it. And, and we were talking about this and Celesta, if you, if you could talk about it again, but it doesn't just happen to the individual, but to the family. And it, 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 can, you, can you share that when trauma, ours happened in a school and what that looks like in, in our personal story on who's affected? Well, I think of, Romans 12, right in the middle of that chapter, Paul says, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And just as that is true for our human body, it's true for our system. So if I am wounded, your MS impacts your wife, your children, impacts all of you. Mm -hmm. So what happens to me happens to the, the trauma effects of that are experienced by those that love us. And there's a lot of social science that supports that. But anybody that sits and listens like a clinician and supports survivors knows the truth of that. So that trauma does, isn't just individual. It happens to the system in which it happens. So if it was in a church, it impacted the child, the parents, the siblings, the church members, the church leaders, and even then the community around it. Mm -hmm. and, and the systemic nature of abuse requires systemic care and support and help. And again, that's why we founded Mending the Soul. I retired my practice back in 2009 because I saw the potency of bringing well-trained 
survivors who have been helped through mending the soul to do their own work, then equipping and resourcing them to facilitate the work of other survivors, it creates trust faster. It establishes safety so that the process of integration, the work of healing can happen. And, and kind of the beautiful side of that journey, yes, it's messy. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we don't want to do it. But if we are supported enough, any survivor will tell you they want their story to be told. Mm-hmm. But we need safety and support to tell that story. But in the telling and in the caring for each other, that is that true one anothering that scripture talks about so much so the very thing that satan allows to try to destroy us becomes those wounds the very thing that bring us together in our vulnerability and our mutual need for each other to heal Mm. so then the individual heals the family heals the school that heals right so it's it's a potent it's potent in a healing manner because then abuse and intergenerational effects of abuse are stopped and replaced with intergenerational healing that's a really powerful thing to be a part of absolutely absolutely the one the one question i keep thinking is through all of it forgiving do, do you see, obviously, forgiving the, the abuser is, I'm assuming, part of the process. But with the Christian side of stuff, do you see a lot of individuals wrestling with God, a God of love, a God of <laughs> uh, forgiveness, redemption, grace, yet this happened to me? Yes. How could he allow that? Uh, that is, I mean, I've taught theology in a seminary for 26 years. Yeah. So I've faced a lot of theological questions from my students and just personally. And Rob, hands down, hands down, that is, for me, the quintessential theological question. How can a good, all-powerful God allow this? Yeah. And... I don't think there are, well, I know there are not the kind of complete, tidy answers to that question we would like. Right. Uh, I I argue in my uh, writings that the closest answer we'll get, and it's sufficient, Mm -hmm. is the picture of Jesus on the cross. Now, where is God when there's abuse? Where's God when there's suffering? If he's all powerful and all good? He's there with Jesus and he's there with us. Do you, because like you said, there there are no tidy answers, easy answers. When you've walked through something extremely difficult, to to be honest, when when we experienced it with our family, with my daughter, my, my number one anger was because I pray every day, God, protect my kids yeah and then the flip side of that is god let them love you all the days of their life 
Like, I want them in relationship with you. I want them to long and hunger for you. And when that happened and I saw the video and I watched my daughter just get beat is the best way that I could describe it. I'm like, God, why? I asked you to protect her. And so I, I was angry. And I know this is being recorded and some people may scold me for this. I was angry. I, I mean, if I was speaking to you at a speaking engagement, I'll tell you I was angry. I was upset with God because I thought he had failed. And then I had to take a step back. And this is how it processed in my brain. I watched that video so many times that the next time I watched it, I did it really slow where you hold your finger on the video and pull it. So it doesn't go in real time, but you can watch. And as I did that and watched the arms flailing at my daughter, they didn't really land. There was no broken bones, no bruising, and no blood. So in my heart, I heard or felt I did protect her. It just wasn't in the way that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't keep everything bad from happening to her. Me being dad, I'm not talking about God, but me. And so when bad that bad thing did happen when I watched it, I felt as though that is not the outcome or scenario I wanted her in. But mm-hmm. in that horrible, there was protection the way I saw it. Yes. And we're so sorry that you and your family and your daughter had to go through that. It's such a picture of the brokenness that is in our world. Right. Uh, There's capital A abuse and lowercase a abuse. And we work with trauma survivors that have survived massacre. Uh, We had a Rwandese trainer that lost 50, all 50 members of his family in the genocide. So there is so much damage. There's deep suffering. But I think the most important thing to recognize is that the mechanism of healing the healing rhythm is lament Mm -hmm. it's allowing yourself to feel that anger Mm -hmm. and in my personal story i was in and it's really interesting because the lament cycle is very consistent with the grief cycle right and denial and shock and horror is the first stage And then you do move into anger. And if we're not feeling that anger, we're disconnected emotionally because God created us, God himself. Nobody's angrier than God at injustice. When people with power use that power to oppress those more vulnerable, nothing makes God angrier than that. So uh, the anger that we feel is his anger in us. Mm. And it's coming out of love. But a lot of survivors get stuck in anger and they don't keep moving through because the lament is the wrestling with God, the holding on to God, the direct communication with God. And I was in a place of anger while I was serving as a very high profile faith leader. Mm. And I 
felt like the biggest hypocrite because I didn't yet have the courage to be honest, but I started being honest with God about how upset I was. And then I moved into the next stage of grief or lament, which is actually telling someone else. Ah. And it's when we tell our story, it's when we disclose these bad things that we've carried shame around, but it's not our shame. It's an effect of the abuse. And then as we tell our story, we begin to understand it. And as we continue to wrestle with God, he gives us a sense of meaning in the suffering. He shows us how he is present in the suffering. And then he moves us to a place of acceptance and redemptive purpose. Yeah. So we, he shows us how he's going to use that suffering, not waste it until we go home to be with him. And that just expands in a bigger and a bigger way as we trust him. Yeah. And lest any of, of your listeners uh, take you to task for being angry with God, <laughs> uh, as kind of the resident theologian here, I would, I would remind all of us, there are 150 Psalms, over 40% of them are lament. And right. some of those, I mean, try Psalm 88, that's as raw as it gets. The last word in Hebrew of Psalm 88 is darkness. Mm. Um, the, the minor prophets, Habakkuk. Uh, in particular, as dark as as much of Jeremiah, uh, Lamentations is lament. It's right. a hard, dark book. So, uh, Job, I mean, the writers of Scripture, godly men who walked with the Lord, when they encountered huge loss, and, and most often it was in a context of abuse of some kind, mm -hmm. they wrestled with God. They took that to God, and and. They were respectful because right. God's God and, you know, here, here, he's the creator and we're, right. we're the clay, but they were not afraid. They, they, they valued their relationship with God too much to pretend it was something other than it was. And when they yeah. felt hurt and disappointed by God, felt like he had not done what he said he'd do, they went to him over and over and they wrestled and they lamented and the psalmists say things like wake up god why are you asleep why are, why have you forsaken your promises to protect your people etc and in the wrestling god meets us there and there's no formula you can't predict how or when or how he long. does he's faithful he's faithful you guys are just <laughs> knocking it out of the park right now this is exactly <laughs> it i mean the, the i'm going through the old testament right now and I, i'll be honest my heart is heavy because i've gone through habakkuk i'm in jeremiah right now and i'm just like oh lord oh that's that's not good stuff that's bad oh, oh and, and and so then i'm walking through I, I yeah the trauma with the with our daughter happened last november but then I mentioned to you, you know, with muscular dystrophy, I'm, I'm not in a chair permanently, but it's getting there. I actually turned 45 today. I forgot. Oh, it was wow. <laughs> yeah. So at 30, they told me I would be in this chair full time. Well, I'm not full time, but it's it's becoming more apparent. And as I go through the Old Testament and I listen to these hard things, 
And then you walk through that trauma with your daughter. And then you walk through the progression of a muscle disease that will not go away. You lament a lot. And I'm like, God, I love you. I really, really do. But doggone it, knock it off. You know, I'm, I'm tired of falling. I'm tired of my wife's back hurting because she's been lifting me for almost 24 years. And, and it's not that I don't love him. It's not that I don't want a relationship with him. I'm just, you just explained exactly where I am some days. Yeah. And I'm just going to him in my brokenness saying, please don't forget me. Please don't forget the promises. And, and I'm sorry that I'm mad, but I am. <laughs> it's just where I'm at today. You know, tomorrow will be different, but today. Yeah, that's the journey. Um, yeah. In a, The very word trauma in English is a transliteration of a Greek word, trauma. Mm. It means wound. It's used in the account of the uh, Good Samaritan. You know, that, that he had wounds that were treated. And yep. So that's the Greek word that's used. So when we think of trauma, it's, it's a wound. Mm. There can be physical trauma when you have a physical wound. Sure. And there's soul trauma, psychological trauma. We all have wounds of the soul, of the heart, because it's a fallen world. Eden, Shalom was shattered in Eden, Genesis 3. And until Jesus comes back and we long for that day when he will make all things new, Mm-hmm. Or in this world of disruption, um, there isn't shalom, and right. yet we hang on to the promises of God that He's in the in this broken world. Yep. He's at work. He's yeah. at work. So we lament constantly. Yep. There's so much to lament. Our, our Lord said, "Blessed are those who mourn," and that's present tense in Greek. They continue to mourn, right. or they shall be comforted. There's so much to mourn, but God meets us and in that place and we, we, i don't think we hear enough about in the church and i understand you know we want to be positive and well, right yeah but this is the reality it, there's so much to be positive about but not in a happy sappy close your eyes sort of way but right. as we mourn and and we keep looking to god he, he meets us and it's this this really complex kind of back and forth between tears and laughter, joy and sorrow, lament and rejoice. And I think that's the nature of the Christian life. And I don't think you could have said it any better. You are exactly right. And that's why we call this podcast Enjoying the Journey. Celeste, Mm -hmm. you you brought up, uh, you know, a partner in, in Rwanda who, what they have experienced can't really fathom in the aches and 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 the pain of of that reality of losing 50 loved ones to genocide that at times you know when i look in the mirror it's like okay rob relax you didn't walk through that you know you you walked through through this and in understanding that everybody's journey is a little bit different right in and it's hard for each individual in their own way, depending on whether it's the genocide loss or the loss of your body or a 
child being abused or you personally right. being abused and that you can mourn those things. Right. Mm -hmm. And in those effects, because it's why trauma cannot be compared mm. to the importance and the mending the soul model. We don't focus on the thing that happened. That thing, that abuse does have to be named. It does have to be spoken and disclosed, but the focus is on the heart. What are the effects mm -hmm. of my childhood, um, my family of origin? What are the effects upon me? And we then look at that toxic shame and how confusing and how much that shuts someone down and powerlessness or learned helplessness, extreme passivity, just these places that we become stuck and isolated. And when we come together with our stories, it's the common thread throughout humanity. And so we tell our stories in these different cultures and invite them to tell their stories because at the end of the day, we're all the same. Yeah, we're right. human beings created in God's image, living in different cultures, different families, different good and bad things happen to us. And they affect us in ways that shut us down. And God, for mysterious reasons, chose suffering to trump the evil in this world. And he works in it, he's present in it, and he works through it. Mm -hmm. And our encouragement to your listeners would be to turn around and face the hard stuff. Go to those wounds, those things that have happened to you that you've not told anybody about. Find a safe place for that, amending the soul group or a mentor, somebody else who has walked a road of sorrow and understands what's needed in the process of grief and lament and let that bring us together address it because out of it will probably come your most important contribution you will make to the world mm -hmm. and satan always once he's a father of deceit father of lies so he always makes us afraid of the wrong things. So he makes us afraid of our stories, afraid of those hard places. And we actually should be afraid of not addressing them because the effects don't go away. We have to come together in community and address the hard stuff and help each other heal. And so our encouragement would be go there, get help, reach out, let us know what you need. We have a find amending the soul group um, by zip code on our website and find that support, order resources, tell somebody that you trust, but address it. And I think honestly, it is, Rob, you mentioned your story of having this progressive degenerative disease. And I share that story and I've come to understand that now it is my best gift because mm. my body and chronic pain keeps me incredibly dependent upon God's power, God's presence, and gives me more time with him, basically, yeah. um, because I don't have the capacity physically. And it 
is then the stuff that he gives me and my quiet time with him when I am really pouring my heart out and saying, I need to hear from you now. Mm. I need a word from you. I need encouragement. And he gives it. Mm. Then out of that has come for me, my redemptive purpose now is creating trauma care curriculum it, with Steve and our indigenous leaders in these different regions of the world to address what healing looks like in places of war, places of persecution, places that will never get better. And I understand a bit of that because I have a body that never gets better. Oh. And so it's just, yeah, we just want to give encouragement and hope to the listener that God is in it and he will show you himself in the most unique ways. He uses dreams, he uses his word, he uses the encouragement of others. Um, he will come to you, show you himself and use your suffering if you offer it up to him and follow his path. You guys have done exactly that for us today. have been an encouragement. Uh, if nobody else, for me specifically, and I appreciate that so very much, but I know there'll be more that are listening that have their own journeys to walk through and needed to be reminded of this as well. Before we go, first of all, thank you so much. That was absolutely wonderful. But there is a question we like to ask every one of our guests, and that is, if you could have anybody with you on this journey right now, who would it be? <laughs> and when, and you don't, you don't get to see the video, but I wish they could because I, I, I see it. And if you didn't hear that, that was a kiss. So I think that answers the question. <laughs> 42 years. Yeah. That's awesome. It, it just gets better. Um, I, I, I would add, Rob, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this and so many of our listeners, you know, we were starry-eyed adolescents in love, Yeah. got engaged and married at 19 and 21, and I, we had, we were just sure we knew, you know, what was going to happen, and we loved <laughs> Jesus, and, you know, if you, if you do this, this this would be the outcome. And right. we had a very simplistic understanding of life and the promises of God. And oh my goodness, the journey has been so different. So many mountains, so many mm -hmm. deserts, etc., that we never anticipated. But God has been with us. Mm -hmm. we, we, we proclaim his faithfulness in the ups and downs, the highs and lows. And uh, for those of us who are blessed to to be married, mm -hmm. our spouse should be our number one companion on the journey. Trials can, I mean, the, the statistics are pretty grim. Like if a child gets diagnosed with cancer or you lose a child, the divorce mm -hmm. rates in a few years are incredibly high. We need to fight against that with the Lord should should be our best journey mm -hmm. partner. You know, we're we're in this together, um, and, and together for better for worse, whether it's sickness, whether it's whatever. Right. Together, 
we're going to look to Jesus. Together, we're going to find his strength. Together, we're going to find his redemptive purpose. And we can't do it ourselves, but he'll allow us to. And we do it as a couple for those of us who are blessed to be married. Right. Mm -hmm. And married to a godly spouse. And really, mending the soul is about finding your soul partners if you're single. Oh, and, and even people in marriages where they don't have a supportive spouse. In coming together in our humanity, in our weakness, in our wounds, vulnerably, honestly. And if we have this path to follow that teaches us how to lament, really do it, really address it and get down to the grit of it. It bonds us in ways that are for life. It's yeah. very powerful. So that's the good news and the bad news of hard <laughs> stuff. Okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so very much for being on with us today. I do hope that if people are out there struggling, they will go to Mending the Soul. Yes, let us if know. You, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you it's really do. Been our we privilege. really appreciate it. Yes. It's great to meet you. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.